Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So today our focus is carnality. Carnality. And God's heart is broken when he sees carnal Christians, carnal believers. It's broken in pieces when there is a philosophy in the church that upholds it and promotes it in focusing on things that are more perishable and of the world than looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The goal of anyone who stands behind this sacred desk, it should not be to build a brand because branding focuses on you, right? Just the nature of it. Intrinsically, if I wanted to build a brand, I'm talking about me. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about Jesus. I want him to be the most famous name in the earth. Even though the world hates him, we're going to proclaim his name. You remember in the early church, they told him, do not preach and teach in his name. But they went and prayed for boldness. Said, God do signs and wonders in the name of your holy child, Jesus. And they preached the more. And even though they were persecuted and scattered, disciples increased because they never lost their focus, even under pressure. Now, you know those Roman authorities. If they would have said, okay, we won't say Jesus, but we'll, they'll just say God, the most high. Generic names, they would get no trouble. You can, anywhere you go, talk about God in a generic sense, you won't get any pressure. But you invoke the name of Jesus and the devils in hell are released. That's why we lift him up. That's because there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Except, what's his name? Come on, somebody say his name. The world may hate him, but we love his name. What's his name? John 15 verses 18 and 19 reads, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So he's talking about people who have a strong affiliation with him. Because I'm with you and you're with me, the same thing that happened to me is going to happen to you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Jesus is assuming that we know we're not of the world. We're in the world and not of the world. Why is it that there's so many seeker-friendly things that happen in God's house to make it palatable for the world? The world that hates God, you want to be a friend of. And when I say you, I'm not talking, you understand what I mean, right? Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm trying to have you gird up your loins and understand what this is about. So we ought to do this, we ought to do this, because it's a little more palatable. 
I want to declare unto you in the presence of God that there is nothing more powerful than the whole counsel of God. There's nothing that can transform hearts like the power of God. You might get a lot of people to come, but nobody's going to be transformed. Nobody's mind is going to be renewed because you're saying you're all right just as you are. It is impossible to encounter Jesus Christ and stay the same. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So if I'm still chasing after old things, I need to judge myself. Something has to become new. Because if I'm in him, I'm a new creation. Are you with me? This, I'm just trying to talk about what's in the book in the most loving way that I know how. It says, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you, how? Out of the world, therefore the world hates you. God told me to tell you, think it not strange when the fiery trials come to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But know that the same thing is happening to your brothers and sisters all over the earth who are joined to him. He sends us out as sheep among wolves. There's no coincidence that the fastest growing church on the face of the earth is in an Islamic state. And the documentary is called Sheep Among Wolves, right out of scripture, because they obey Christ to the letter. There are no cathedrals, there are no churches, all the churches are from the 16th century. But what has happened is the spirit of God has invaded the country and people encounter him in ways that are so real. If they encounter him on Monday, on Tuesday, they're telling people about the wonderful works of God and the gospel is spreading and no one, no tyranny, no devil can stop it. They're in the midst of their lives being at risk. Women could potentially be raped, but they freely share the gospel. And the ones who are most at risk, women, are leading the charge. You know why? Because they have had an encounter with Jesus and nothing else matters. And they have testimonies like, it doesn't matter if I go to jail for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter if they kill me because then I'll be with Jesus. That's being sold out. There are too many people who are sold out for the wrong thing. For the wrong thing. Am I talking to anybody or is, is my mic on? So if we're called out of the world and if the world hates him, and therefore us, what are we to do? Well, he said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I have to bring them also. He has prepared people that will be in our path, that we will be discerning enough to know this person is not far from the kingdom, and that's who you, and you'll sense when mm, I'm not giving what's holy to the dogs. I'm not casting my pearl to the swine. That's what it means to be wise as a serpent. But here is the fundamental question. Who are we in the earth to God? 
Who are we to God? I know we're ambassadors of Christ. I know that we're salt and light. But who are we to God amongst each other and the world? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, one verse, 15. And then we're going to get deeper into consecration. For we are to God. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Leave that up for a minute. When we are around one another in the body of Christ, and when we are around those in the world who are unchurched, there's a spiritual fragrance. And there's a difference between a fragrance and a stench. And God is sensitive to both. What stench is in the nostrils of God that is reviling to him? Come on, somebody said it. Is there anybody else who knows? Sin stinks in the nostrils of God. That's why he wants to keep us from it. Because we are to God the fragrance of Christ. The fra it's a sweet fragrance. I had an experience in the height of COVID. The Catholic Church, the diocese in Philadelphia, appointed a new archbishop, Reverend Nelson Perez. And I was invited uh, to it as a part of the Philadelphia Gospel Movement. And in there I saw friends. I try to have ecumenical friends. The priest from St. Raymond uh, Church, uh, Pastor Christopher Walsh was there. And we hugged like brethren. Doctrinally, we see things differently but we both believe in Jesus, so we put the other stuff aside. And you could tell he was genuinely happy to see me there. Now, this was in 2020. COVID was raging, but I just sensed by the Holy Ghost, I need to be there. I accepted the invitation, and I was there. And as they were doing this glorious procession, you know, they have all their robes, they have all this stuff and different people, that's not what caught me. They had a part of the procession where there were some priests who had censers, you know, that released the incense. And it was, they were going like this. The fragrance was so sweet. I'm telling you, it was so sweet. And I was in a Catholic church and I had a moment with the Holy Ghost because it was in the midst of when we were on the phone every day praying. And it was during the time where we were saying, we were praying the prayer that Moses and Aaron, when they had the censer, and I got a real sense of what it was like. See that fragrance, and that fragrance represents the prayers of the saints. And I, that fragrance, and we would pray, God like Aaron and Moses, we're standing between the living and the dead because people were dying of COVID. And in that moment, 
I began to pray that prayer in earnest. I wasn't on the call with all my friends from New Covenant, but I was in there and that fragrance caused something to come out of me. And I could see how Moses and Aaron, when God struck the people with a plague, stood between the dead and the living and God halted the plague. And I said, God, you can stop COVID just like that. There was something about the fragrance. That's what we are to God. That's what we are to God. It invokes heaven to do something. Just like in that fragrance, I began to pray in the spirit. I don't want my fragrance to be a stench because I am to God the fragrance of Christ. I got to make certain that what's, and the only way that can be is I got to be in him because it's his fragrance, not mine. My fragrance is not good. We are, to God, the fragrance of Christ. Do you get the weight of that responsibility? And when we interact with one another, you know if it's the right fragrance or if it's something smells foul in here. When we're around each other, it ought to be sweet. It ought to be a sweet fragrance. We ought to be better when we're around each other. There's nothing that should make me mad or sad or upset or frustrated when I come around the people of God. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. To those who are being saved and to those who are perishing, the fragrance impacts everybody, the churched and the unchurched. Just like salt. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, what good is it but to be cast away and trampled under the feet of men? New Covenant, I don't know about you, but I want to be salty. I want to be salty. Salt is a, is, is a type of procurement. When I would visit my family in the South, they have these big meat racks. And it was salt. Because salt will preserve it. It'll keep you. That's why God wants you to be salty. It's a preservative. Lord, preserve us. Make us salty. Make us salty. I'm talking about the kind of salt that won't impact your blood pressure. It'll just preserve you. Don't you forget, we are to God the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of Christ. To those who are being saved, salvation is a process. It's a process for those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Say amen if you got that. So what does consecration mean? I want to get to some practical stuff, some practical things here. What does consecration mean? By definition, it is the act of dedicating yourself to the service and worship of God. The highest form of worship is not singing. It's described in Hebrews chapter 10. We're not going to read it now, but you write it down. 
verses 5 through 7, where Jesus says, prepare me a body and I will go down. I will go down. And here's what he said. This is the part I want you to get. It's the last part of verse 7. He says, I come to do thy will, O God. The purpose of consecration is to prepare us to do his will. And God said in Hebrews, sacrifices and burnt offerings I didn't desire. But in the volume of the book, it was written of me. Prepare me a body. That's why we present our bodies as living sacrifice, not dead sacrifices. The sacrifices that were offered in the days of old died and then they were offered. And then that aroma went up. But we are to God the fragrance of Christ. We are a living sacrifice. Somebody say a living sacrifice. So now let's go a little bit deeper. What does it mean to consecrate yourself in the Lord? I want to make this practical. We're on day five, and maybe some people have been, nah, I really don't know what this is, but I'll go. I know what prayer is. I know what fasting is. God instructed me to make it plain today so that we know what we're doing because the goal is not just these seven days. It's to teach us how to live a consecrated life a consecrated life. The greatest people in church history and in the Bible who were used of God lived a consecrated life. The world will tell you that's corny. It's impossible, so people give up. It, it, that, it's not about perfection. It's about obedience. It's not about, it's only one who's perfect, it's him. So don't believe the lie that you have to be perfect. And no one can judge you. Who's the only one who can judge you? God and who else? Yourself. And we don't judge ourselves. We justify ourselves. That's the nature of the flesh. I promise you, I can justify anything. I might even find a scripture to go along with it. And that's the problem is that People are not seeking the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Because there are some things in the word that if I just get that part, it's like, oh, okay, I'm good. For example, if I read in Exodus 23, I'm, a, I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And I stop there, It'll lead me to pursue things that are not the heart of God. It'll cause me to think more highly of myself than I ought to. Like when knowledge is in my head, it puffs me up. But when knowledge is in my heart, it humbles me. That's why I want God work on my heart. Because knowledge puffs up. And some people have it just in their head but God wants to penetrate the heart. See, even the devil knows that. That's why he comes to snatch the word out of not your head. I don't care how much you know in your head. All that's going to do is bring you closer to me, the enemy knows, because you're going to be proud. You're going to be puffed up. You're going to think more of yourself than you ought to. But if it ever penetrates your heart, I got to stop that. That's where he goes to get the seed. He plucks it out. He's like, that heart is shallow. Let me get it before it goes deep.
they're encumbered with the things of this world. Let me put thorns and thistles around it. So if I just read that, I buy into something that isn't the heart of God. But if you keep reading that same verse, first of all, before he says, if you obey my word and every precept of my commandment, then I will make you head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But then after that, in case we missed it, he said, if you keep my law, and you follow my word to do it, to be careful to do it. But rarely do you hear in the name it and claim it gospel, do you hear those two parts? All you hear and people say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not belief, beneath. And their life is a stench. The fragrance is bad. And they don't even know because there's no correction. There's only correction for me and you when we have the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. And God is bringing us into a season and that's why he instructed us to do it seven days and 12 times because there's going to be a foundation. There's a foundation that's laid that no one else can lay. We just get to build on it. God make us wise master builders. I don't get to do ministry my way. You don't get to do ministry. Who's in charge? Whose church is it? Jesus Christ will build his church. And when he builds it, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You see hellish things going on because somebody else is building it. But when Jesus builds his church, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Lord, build your church. Build your church. There's no such thing as ownership in the kingdom. There's only stewardship. There's no ownership. Ownership mentality is deceiving. And it impacts our heart in a way that's not good. Because we think that things that belong to God belong to us. But a steward is faithful. A steward obeys their master. A steward knows that I'm doing this on behalf of my master. And Jesus was the greatest example of that. He said, my food and my drink is to do the will of him that sent us. May our nourishment, may our spiritual nourishment be to do the will of God. What does it mean to consecrate yourself to the Lord? I gotta move, I'm looking at red letters, the numbers are going so fast. That clock is fast. Here's what it is. To consecrate yourself to God is to answer his call to spiritual consecration. And that's in Leviticus 11.44. We'll read that in a minute. But here's what it means. You ready for this? Take a picture of that if you can't write the notes fast enough. It means that you have a deep inner longing to live holy and want to be changed into the image of Jesus. That you have a deep inner longing. God, I want to be holy. Your flesh wants you to be carnal. And here's the truth. Here's the truth that I found out and I want to impart to you. If you don't bring your thoughts into captivity, 
your thoughts will bring you into captivity. And the thoughts in your head will become the thoughts of your heart. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People who hear you will know you're defiled, but you won't. Because your thoughts have brought you into captivity. That's why he gave us power to pull down strongholds, to cast down imaginations. And every high-minded thought we bring into captivity against the knowledge of Christ. And those thoughts are generally anti-Christ. As subtle as they may be, it's moving you a step closer, a step further away. But when we bring them into captivity, elder, what we learn to do is to resist the devil. And every time you resist him, he flees. Don't you like seeing the devil run away? All that stuff, young people, things that you're tempted to do, if you can learn to resist it, it'll go away from you. But we unknowingly invite it. When you entertain thoughts that are ungodly thoughts, you invite the enemy in. But when you bring them into captivity, he runs, he flees. I will not be a captive to anything and anyone because I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The only way to be free is to be his bondservant. Only the devil wants to make you captive to things that are destructive because he's the enemy of God and he is our enemy. Who makes friends with their enemies? When you know they're an enemy, who wants to kill, to steal, and destroy? No one would knowingly do that. That's why he's subtle. That's why he's deceptive. He'll make you think you're right even by using scripture. Remember when Jesus, he brought him up to the mountain and he showed him all these things. I, the Lord reminded me of that and it broke my heart because too many times the devil shows us all these things and we buy into it. We want it. He said, I'll give you all this. You don't have to do all that stuff your father told you to do. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get behind me. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. But before that, he quoted Psalm 90. One of our favorite, when we're in trouble, we pray that. Psalm 91. He said, if you jump off here, if you jump off, God is telling me to say, don't jump. Don't jump. He's lying to you. Don't jump. Don't jump. Somebody say, don't jump. I don't know why that's in my spirit. Don't jump. Don't jump. He said, he'll give his angels charge over thee. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. He was quoting the scripture, but only one part. He's a liar. We're going to expose him. We're going to expose him in this place. He's a liar. He's a liar. God's people are too precious. Too precious. Here's what Leviticus 42, I mean, excuse, Leviticus, Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. We're going to have to move. 
While you're looking for that, Ian Bound said the power to consecrate can only be communicated by the Holy Ghost. We need to ask God continually for the grace needed to accomplish this consecration. And to that I say, Lord, give us a heart totally dedicated to you no matter what. No matter if we're up or down, leveled to the ground, may we be dedicated to you. Leviticus 11, 44 and 45 says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. Who says this? He says, I am who? The Lord your God. So this is not man-made. This is not a new idea. This is what God says. Consecrate yourselves, and then what will happen? And you shall be holy. Why, God? For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves. And once you get to the point where you're close enough to me that you don't defile yourself. And then he takes the little, not even with the creepy things. Don't let the small things. The, in Proverbs it says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We look to avoid the big things, but we, we embrace gossip. Man, it's quiet. I wasn't really going for that, but the Spirit knows what he's doing. Let's go. We're about to close. Let's look at something real quick. Two more scriptures, and we're going to land the plane. Exodus 19, 10, and 11. Are you with me? Do you sense the Spirit of the Lord in this place? It says, then the Lord said to Moses, one day we'll talk about Moses, whose life was consecrated. It was unique. Moses had the second greatest revelation of anyone apart from Jesus. The only one was greater was John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos. That was the greatest, in my opinion, in my opinion, and the second was Moses. Because God showed Moses the history of creation, which no one else would know if Moses didn't write it. Can you imagine the revelatory insight that God was telling him stuff before he was born? The prophets foretold things that would happen after they died. But God told Moses things that nobody else would know before he was born. That's being intimate with God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but that which is revealed is to us and our children forever. I want to get close to him that he'll show things that we know not of. Do you want that kind of intimacy with God? If Moses could achieve it, so can we. But that's for another time. Exodus 19, 10 and 11 reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. We talked in the past what that was symbolic of. That's a spiritual cleansing. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. The only one thing I want you to get is when a people are consecrated to God, you're able to see him more clearly. 
He says, I'm going to come down in the sight of all the people, in the sight of all the people. And in the days of head, we're going to see him so much more clearly when we get this thing to completion. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. This is hard to hear for some people who don't understand what it means to wrestle with your flesh. I was talking to someone who it's clear that for me, for a season, and for all of us, we, we interpret the wrestling as sin. We interpret it as wrong. There are great people who have done mighty things in the kingdom. Reformers like Martin Luther hated himself. And he used to sit alone in the fetal position and do everything but cut himself because of the, he thought he was unworthy because of the thoughts. But he led the Reformation. He led it. His thesis formed the foundation of the Protestant faith. He said, God, the word of God is not just for the priest, it's for everybody. But he tortured himself in his mind because he didn't bring his thoughts into captivity because he didn't understand the wrestling. But in Galatians 5, it tells us that the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. And they wrestle. And then he tells us the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. I want you to know, can you hear me? The day you stop wrestling is the day you've given in. We wrestle to win. You can't walk in the spirit without wrestling because my flesh is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And when I get to the place in God where my flesh is, when my flesh dies, I got to keep killing it. That's what the wrestling is about. I'm going to wrestle my flesh to the mat every day. I'm not going to go to the mat. So don't consider wrestling to be a sin. It's like temptation is not a sin. It's yielding. That's the sin. Don't yield. Don't think you're dirty because you have a thought. Wrestle it down. Bring it into captivity. Because if you don't bring it into captivity, it'll bring you into captivity and you'll begin to walk that out. Somebody ought to give God a praise on that. Somebody ought to give God a praise. It's time for us to be free. Let it go. Let it go. Keep wrestling. Keep wrestling. You're getting stronger. You're getting wiser. You're going to win. You're going to pin the devil to the mat. The devil can't win. He cannot win. Because he's already judged. His judgment has happened. He's already judged. That's why he wants you and me to be judged. He wants to kill. Can't kill us. Because we have life. And we have it more abundantly. He wants to steal. You can't steal from us because we're watching. We're on watch. Thief can't break in when you're watching. That's why we watch and we pray. Thief, we see you. Get out. We got a security system in this house. We see you fall off. Our security system is tighter than ADP. It's tight and it's right. Devil, we know you came to destroy, but don't you know who's walking beside me? The one who came to destroy the works of the devil. The only thing that's going to be destroyed is the works of the devil. We're destroyers. We're more than conquerors. You're going to win. 
God has got you. He's got you. It's all right. Cast down them thoughts. We cast down every imagination, every thought. We bring it into captivity. God's people are cleansed. They are cleansed. Your clothes have been washed. Your clothes have been washed. They've been dipped in blood. They've been purified in the blood. There is a river whose streams flow. They flow from Emmanuel's veins. There is a river. It'll wash you whiter than snow. In the name of Jesus, you have the victory. You have the victory. You already have it. The devil can't take it because God is greater. God is stronger. God is higher. God is deeper. Come on, lift your hands in this atmosphere. Everybody standing. Lift your hands in this atmosphere. God, we proclaim in the presence of the Holy Ghost that we despise our garments that are spotted with the flesh. And we ask you on some, have compassion, pulling them out of the fire, hating the garments that are spotted with the flesh. Purify us. May we walk pure before you. May we have a conscience towards you knowing knowing that we presented our bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto you which is our reasonable service why do we do it that we might prove God will your proof on earth what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and we will not be conformed to this world we will not conform to this world because you brought us out of the world. You brought us out. We don't want to go back in. But we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Cause us to do what is good. Cause us to do what is excellent. Cause us to do what is perfect in your sight. Cause us to do what pleases you. We've pleased ourselves long enough. God, today we decide that we want to please you. And that's why we consecrate ourselves. Because we want to live a consecrated life. We want to be like your servant Moses, who in Egypt, that, which represents the world, he chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Help us to see, Lord, that it's only for a season, that our life is just a vapor. Cause us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Oh, God, our deliverer, our strong tower, one thing, have we desired of the Lord and that may we seek after 
that we might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives and behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple and know that in the times of trouble you shall hide us in the secret place of your pavilion you shall hide us and then our heads will be lifted up above our enemies all around us though a host shall camp against us so war the war will surround us we'll be confident in you let every enemy stumble and fall let every demon let every demon be put to flight may one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight God make us steadfast and unmovable always abounding in your work knowing that our labor in you shall never be in vain in the name of Jesus Christ who is Lord who is King who is the wonderful counselor who's the Prince of Peace who's a mighty God who's an everlasting Father in His name we pray and let God's people give a shout shout with the voice of triumph Shout with the voice of praise. Come on, shout like you know you got victory. Shout like you know you've been changed. Shout like you know God is in the midst of us. And that right early. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. If you are willing and obedient, I will help you. I will help you to understand that none of this is, impo is possible without me. But nothing is impossible with me. There's nothing that you've done or anything that you're doing that can keep you from my purpose. You will come screaming, kicking and screaming, or you'll become, you'll come shouting and resort, rejoicing. But I'm pursuing you. I will not let you go. I've chosen you before the foundation of the world. Your life could be so much better. I want you to understand that there's something I've already prepared for you. There's a place in me that where I am 
you can be also. But it begins with a desire to want to be like me. It begins with a desire to recognize that you're undone and you need to be conformed into his image. There's no one who can accomplish this in their flesh. Your flesh is against you as much as the devil is against you. Because in the day when the creation of my hand, Adam, transgressed my word, it entered into all flesh. But I have a way of escape for you. There's no temptation that will ever befall you that is not common to all creation. But with the temptation, I've, I'll give you an escape. I'll give you an escape. He said, some of you, I opened up the escape hatch and you chose to stay in. I don't fault you because you didn't recognize it as bondage. But I'm coming today to tell you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the freedom that you think you have the freedom that you think you have is an artifact of your free will. That's not my spirit. But my spirit has come today to give you life. To give you life that is more abundant. You think you know me? You have not known my ways. I've got a place for you that's deeper. It's so much better. I bid you to come, come up hither, come up hither, come up higher. I'm calling you to a higher place. Even though you're satisfied because of the things that are your longings and your desires, it's only temporary. I can satisfy you in a way that no lover can touch. Let me be the lover of your soul. Let me be the lover of your soul. Don't you know that the world has rejected you because it's rejected me. The world is, an, is a trap. The snare of the fowler will never entrap my sheep who know my voice because they won't follow a stranger. You've been following a stranger. And it's not because your heart is evil or wicked. It's because you don't know the depth of my love. You haven't allowed me to be intimate with you. And you haven't been intimate enough to me to know when I'm speaking. I've been tugging at your heart. I've been trying to reach you. I've been trying to reach you. 
I love you. I will not allow you to enter into judgment. I will not allow you to enter into judgment. And for me to have to say I never knew you, I'm coming after you today. You know who you are. I've been talking to you. But other voices have been shouting at you. And you respond to those who shout at you. But I've been whispering. I've been singing melodies to you. But your heart won't swoon for me. You move into another beat. Oh, that you would hear my song. Oh, that you would hear my words. Oh, that you would come. I really, I really want to be with you. Not just for now, but for all eternity. I desire to be with you. Don't you want me? Why won't you love me back? I really just want the best for you. I don't want to control you. I don't want to control you. If I wanted to control you, you would already be here. It's because you're outside of my control, which only comes by submission, which only comes by an act of your will. That's, the re that's what separated us. Return to me. In returning and rest, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. I know how to silence those voices. I will rebuke them for your sake. I will cause them to keep silent so that you can hear me clearly. Is it the noise? I'm going to stop the noise. And you will know it's me because from this moment, that noise ceases. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, I'll make them whiter than snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be like wool. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.